What's up, everybody? You're listening to the Canby Christian Church Podcast. This is an On Sunday episode, uh, the episode where the three of us pastors, we get together and we talk about what happened on Sunday. You can always go back and listen to the sermon episode to know exactly what we're referring to. Uh, But today is a special Valentine's Day episode because Aaron loves doing special sermons about love (laughs) every time it's Valentine's Day. But I'm Cody. I'm Aaron. And I am Rob. And Aaron, tell us about your love of doing special kind of one-off love sermons for Valentine's Day. You're clearly being sarcastic because I... It's not about love specifically. <laughs> it's about uh, wait, wait. Let's cultural, look at the title. It's about love, cultural the holidays. Virtue. <laughs> yeah, it's about cultural holidays oh, dictating okay. what we're gonna preach about on Sunday, which is what I abhor <laughs> and loathe and find <laughs> cheesy when churches do such things. Tell us how you really feel. Yeah, but yeah, I mean. <laughs> Obviously, Christmas and Easter have become sort of cultural holidays, but we know that they're more related to the Christian calendar. But holidays like this or even Mother's Day You don't Mother's do a special Day sermon Father's on Veterans Day. Day. No, no. Remembering um, the vets. Not that I don't appreciate of course. You know, veterans and not that I don't love my country and not that I don't love my wife. But these things don't dictate the day, the, the conversations that we have on Sunday. But ironically, in the providence of God, there are times when you're just working through a book of the Bible and somehow, some way, you end up talking about love and only love. Right. This highest virtue, the day before Valentine's Day. Yeah. How did that happen? The and Holy I was, Spirit had you covered. I was being totally honest with, like, I seriously wasn't even thinking about Valentine's Day when last week we were talking about this passage and it just literally didn't even dawn on me. I'm like, oh, cool. I just get to talk about love. And then I realized the night before that, oh, my gosh, it's Valentine's Day the next day. So that was funny. Yeah. Um, But it kind of gave me a weird feeling thinking that people are going to think I did this on purpose. And I didn't blame God for it. (laughs) This is the providence of God, which is obviously great. Obviously, the topic is great. Yet another proof for the sovereignty. That's right. Which, uh, But it, it is a good point to bring up, maybe since that's not what this podcast is about, maybe ever so briefly tell us about why we don't do topical sermons why we like to pick a book of the bible and march through it probably a lot of people who've been around our church for a while know exactly why but maybe some who are newer don't uh what's the reason that's our philosophy versus just picking whatever topic we feel like talking about i don't you tell me cody why do you think (laughs) we already had enough conversations here (laughs) i'll give you don't want to i mean i can i could tell you why well, theologically, um, I believe that a church uh, is born from the Word of God, right? So from the mm-hmm. very beginning, God created everything from a Word, right? He spoke and things came into existence. And in the book of Acts, we see the Word of God spread and a church was born, right? So if we want to grow the people of God... It doesn't come through marketing strategies. It doesn't come by any program that we have. It doesn't come by any human innovation or invention. A church, the people of God, grow spiritually, personally, and they grow numerically. They're saved. They're discipled through the ministry of the Word of God. And so our job is to bring the Word to them. Mm -hmm. And so that's bigger picture bringing that a little bit tighter because the topical person would say oh yeah i'm bringing the word of god to you as well it's like yeah but we're just delivery people i don't have the right to like i mean the common illustration is the chef in the kitchen and then you're the server i can't take this really beautiful plate that this chef made in the kitchen and it's all nicely ordained and all that for the not ordained um the ornament around it right It looks really pretty. I don't now as a server go, you know, I don't like the way this plate looks. And I rearrange it myself and then hand it to the person. I I deliver it just as the chef wanted it to be presented. And in the same way, the word of God is not only given, but it's given in a specific way, right? So these letters are written that like Romans was written in a certain way. Like I believe in the conviction that not only is that word living and active, but the way in which that word was given has meaning as well. Uh, like it matters mm-hmm. for how the word of God comes to us. 
And uh, so preaching through books of the Bible is a way that we sort of practice that belief in the authority of the Word of God and the way in which God communicated it, it matters. Which also means, you know, you preach poetry different than you would preach a letter, right? It's because yep. it, it's different genres and it has different emotions and it's trying to accomplish different things. Um, so that's one way, or there, those are several reasons. A couple other ones is like I was just saying, if we let culture dictate our topic, then we may not get to a lot of really important topics that God wants to talk about. Yeah. It's what we want him to talk about. Exactly. And yeah, and not even necessarily our culture, but even just a pastor. A pastor, A yeah. pastor with great intentions is going to hit the things that feel good to talk about. And, uh, and sometimes we just end up, when we choose to go through the Bible, especially like through that Genesis series, like we hit some weird stuff, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. sometimes it really actually connected well with what was happening right then in our place and time, for sure. Um, and yeah, we would never get to those if we, uh, if we just only picked what we talked about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm uh, <laughs> reminded of Paul's address to the Ephesian elders in Acts uh, 20, uh, which I've been studying recently, and it's really a really great thing he's basically preparing to go to jerusalem he's been told you're going to jerusalem you're going to have a hard time yeah. like you this is not a good choice some are telling it but he says he's, he's constrained by constrained by the spirit to go but he's addressing them as he's leaving to jerusalem and in verse uh 24 uh no i'm sorry verse 26 of chapter 20 he says therefore i testify to you this day that i am innocent of the blood of all for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. That's right. And he goes on, he talks about the different mm. things about his ministry to the, you know, his, his church planting ministry, his disciple, discipling ministry as an apostle and planting these churches and setting up these elders at various churches. And he's saying, you know, I have done what Christ told me to do, which is declare the, the whole counsel of God, which is a verse people often come to when talking about the philosophy that, you know, seems like Paul sort of echoing that. And that's all throughout his ministry in Acts. And he doesn't, you know, he he teaches the Jewish people through from the law to Christ. And then he approaches it maybe a little different when he's talking to some Greeks in Athens, but he's still declaring the whole council. And uh, of course, he's he has a little bit of a different job as an apostle, as someone who's going out and just planting churches. But that idea yeah. of declaring the whole council of God yeah. is something that we're committed to. Right. Well, I, th I think, too, with that is... Uh, like we believe the word of God has authority in in the church. And so when the pastor sort of manipulates, you know, pulling from this book of the Bible and this verse over here and it out of context, um, then really who has the authority in that moment? Like God doesn't have the authority. You're uh, dicing up his word and then using it however you want to use it. And so and uh, that may sound a little harsh, but it's kind of the reality of the situation. And as a matter of fact, we're going to talk here about debt in a moment. And I remember watching a church service online that someone was telling me about. This was several years ago. And on a Sunday morning, this church was doing a series on Financial Peace University mm -hmm. on a Sunday morning, preaching through these things. And he took the verse. It went up on the screen whom the sun sets free is free indeed, right? So he took that verse and applied it to financial debt. And I'm, I was so nauseated <laughs> because it's like this verse is about belief in Jesus <laughs> for, Lord and for your Lord and Savior so that yeah. you can receive salvation, right? This is what this verse is about. Uh, having your sin forgiven, it's not about having a debt-free life <laughs> financially. Yeah. And yet that's the, like he pulled that verse so far out of context, but you would never even know it because, well, they wouldn't know it. They're not, they don't have a Bible in their laps. Mm. They're, you know what I mean? It's so that's an extreme example, but a very realistic example because that's happening in churches all over the place. Right. Um, so it's a way of protecting us from not taking texts out of context and just, you're actually hearing the voice <coughs> of God, not just like, proof text for something that you want to say you know right anyway yeah. i can go on and on and on but yeah that's that was also extra, that wasn't why that wasn't planned in our in our podcast that was a little but, extra side note as i but i don't want also i feel like it was important to bring that up because i don't want people thinking aaron's not romantic because i 
I saw him buying buying Valentine's Day Uh-oh. treats for his wife today. That's because you took me there secret, and made me do it. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Oh, yeah. this It is Valentine's Day today. But it if you're Valentine's listening Day. to this when the podcast comes out, guess what? You missed it. That's probably why your significant other is angry at you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we can't help you. This comes out after Valentine's Day. <laughs> if your significant other is mad and you don't know why. It might be because you forgot. Valentine's Although I, I find most couples, at least I'm me and my wife are this way, we have very little You care, care. less and yeah, less, we, yeah. Yeah, we show love every day of the week. I think Sean was mentioning something to this effect in his communion meditation as he was kind of talking a bit about that. But anyways, yeah, yeah. love is a higher. If you're secure in your relationship and you know love is there, then yeah, and you share it often, you don't need no holiday. Right. It's just corporate corporate it's, industries trying is. to make a bunch of money. You know, yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. right. I mean, I was worried I don't more go down about, the rabbit trail. I was worried more about the Super Bowl this weekend than Valentine's. Day. Yeah, I, that's My what LA I was seriously Rams. thinking. I was thinking about <laughs> the Super Bowl, not Valentine's Day. Yeah. And I'm not even into football. I just assumed everybody <laughs> would be thinking about the Super Bowl. Yeah, Rob, but you're a big sports guy. How I'm is the huge, Super Bowl for you? Huge Rams, <laughs> LA Rams. I mean, just massive, biggest fan of the all biggest, time. No, I could really care less. But um, I actually, what when when but they won the announcement that they were coming to LA when I was living in Southern California was actually kind of exciting because oh, we yeah. never had a team close to us other than I mean, you had San Diego, you had Oakland. Those were kind of there've been there've been a lot of teams come in and out of LA though. That that's true, but I was like a kid. The Rams have been there before. When I was a kid they were. Yeah. And my some of my family members were all about them. Then they moved out. Where did they go? St. Louis? Where yeah, did, I think is so. Is that where the Rams went? And then they came back and that was like a big I mean, it was like, "Hey, let's get back into football." I remember, but I just I have yeah, sports are not. Didn't the, the Raiders come to LA for a while? Yeah, <sighs> they did. Yeah, the Raiders were in LA f- for a time. Didn't the Chargers come to LA for a while? The Chargers are in LA right now. They are. Yeah, they yeah, were in yeah. San Diego they moved before. Up. Yeah, they moved up. Yeah, Jeez. everyone's been to LA. I mean, now we have two teams in LA. Mm-hmm. But I could care less. But it was fun to watch and hang out with uh, you guys and fellowship with friends and yeah. stuff. That was cool. Yeah, and and probably cool. the the greatest Super Bowl halftime show. <laughs> oh man! Ever Throw back. <laughs> But actually, I actually looked this up because people were debating it. The Prince Super Bowl halftime show. If you get the chance to go watch this, it it is easily the greatest Super Bowl halftime when, show when ever. When Prince did it? When Prince did what it. What year go, was this? I, I don't even know. Was it Prince or was it the artist formerly known as Prince? I think it's the artist formerly known as Prince <laughs> okay, because the stage you. was his symbol. Okay. Thank okay. You. But this it is pouring down rain. Like absolutely, like no pouring way. down rain. He was told not to go do it because it was too dangerous. And he goes out, and it's like it's incredible. It's he's, electric. He's shredding on guitar. Oh, he's man. doing Purple Rain, surrounded by purple lights with actual <laughs> wow. rain, like soaking everyone. Everyone's seeing like it. It easily like it's probably one of the top ten like moments in music. Like it is wow. that it's insane. Go watch it. But anyway, strange guy that doesn't that doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah, yeah. It was a serious throwback because um, those were the those were the jams and the oh, people yeah. when we were like, <laughs> well, when I was in high school, like or or middle school. Yeah, middle school. And uh, <laughs> but yeah, they, but they were around for a little bit. Anyway, Michelle well, and I were kind of laughing about it because it seems like all the Super Bowl shows in the past sort of cater to people like in their fifties. And so you've got okay. like yeah, yeah, the Rolling Stones and like just older older artists, you know. Paul McCartney did it one. It yeah, was like yeah. really, really This boring. one kind of more or less catered to people in their like mid to late 30s. Yeah. And that was weird because I just felt like it for the all the years I've watched it it's like well what did people listen to who are now in their 50s but they listened to when they were young. Let's get those artists to come. And it's like right. they're kind of missing a big demographic. But then you assume, well, I guess the massive majority of people who are watching the Super Bowl are people in their 50s or something. I don't know. It Could was be. just weird. But then again, you had two coaches who were in their mid to late 30s and, you know, the youngest coach to to ever win a Super Bowl. So it was kind of like it just felt like everything was pushed a little younger. Mm. How old is he? Do you know? He was 36. Wow. Yeah. Dang, and then crazy. the other guy was 38. 
Can you tell he had a faux hawk? Yeah, he he was young. <laughs> he is young. What are we talking about? And now he he's did got a Super Bowl ring yeah. on his finger. Which we did learn that Michelle... And he was like in shape, you know? Yeah, we did learn that, <laughs> that Michelle absolutely loves Eminem. I would have <laughs> never guessed this about her. Well, Or maybe used to love Eminem. Loved, yeah, past yeah. tense. <laughs> right. But uh, that's probably a good transition because love is what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. So let's move into Romans 13. Uh, let's see. Does anyone have it up? It's pretty short. We could just read it this time. <clears throat> yeah, I can read it. I did want to say though, as we're transitioning there, yeah, do it. That if anyone wants to pray for me this week, I am leaving tomorrow to go hang out with a couple pastor friends down in uh, the desert of California and have a little pastor retreat to encourage each other and uh, keep each other accountable. And um, ultimately, it's a time of encouragement. Party. And come on, you're gonna party. Share stories. Not really. <laughs> There's nothing to party to down there. But, yeah, just uh, hang out and encourage each other. This, this is the third time we've done this, and we started it right before COVID hit, and we didn't even know COVID was going to come two weeks later. And uh, so it's been kind of a cool thing to do annually at this point. So yeah. if you want to be in prayer for me about that, anybody Absolutely. who wants to listen. Yeah. But anyway, and all yeah. of us who will be dearly missing you mm. for the rest holding of the fort down. Yeah. Sad, sad. We're <laughs> just me, Cody. I'm sure you'll <laughs> be going to be so sad. <laughs> anyway, to love. Oh, yes. Yeah. Romans 13, starting in verse or sorry, chapter 13, verse eight. Oh, no one anything except to love each other for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law for the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not covet. And any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Great text. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep. yep. We know what stands out a bit to me is the whole and any other commandment. You didn't really hit on this in your sermon, but it is an interesting thing that the Apostle Paul is saying. Because he's quoting, obviously, the second half of the Ten Commandments. Yeah. Uh, but then he says, and any other commandment. <laughs> Which that, kind of says anything, like, right? It was funny, the commentary I was reading before um, our life group, they were, uh, they were defending Paul on this point. Um, because they were mentioning that like he's uh one these 10 commandments he's referencing he's referencing them out of order mm -hmm. and then he doesn't finish and he's like and any other commandment too and they were defending him like he knows he does know the commandments <laughs> and i was like i wasn't doubting it but it was as they must have been reading it like you know like uh uh d don't murder and uh yeah don't yeah, steal yeah. And, and and the other ones <laughs> Like, it was like, that's how they read Paul, like, that he's just, like, a guy who can't remember the Ten Commandments. <laughs> so they were giving a defense of, like, Paul does know all the Ten Commandments. And I was like, all right, I wasn't doubting that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, but there are other there are other commandments given to the, you know, the Israelites about yeah. how to interact with one another. No doubt those are in view. But even beyond that, what Christ, you know, took the original law and extended it, got to the heart of it in the, in the uh, Sermon on the Mount, it seems like... I don't know. Did you, in your preparation, Aaron, did you look at that little phrase? The little phrase, and any other commandment? Yeah. I mean, did that, didn't stick out to you? Um, I mean, it did. I think it was just sort of like, uh, one of the harder parts about this passage is the glaringly obvious nature of it for yeah. most people who are <laughs> Christians. Um, and, and so it wasn't that I was trying to make it more difficult or bring out something that's not really there. And then people are like, whoa, I never saw that in the passage. Right. Like, I'm not looking for that either. Um, but, you know, you just want to expound on it, apply it a little bit more. But that any other commandment, it's, it's like if you go and read Leviticus, there are, I mean, so many laws. I mean, I, I'm forgetting the number, but it was like hundreds of laws yeah. um, that were given to the nation of Israel, not just in their worship, um, but also primarily in their social interaction with one another, uh, with the, the sojourner, the stranger that comes with, within their camp. And so I just assumed that That's when, you, when you say any other commandment, you're talking about the whole of the law. Right. And so if you want to know what all those commandments are specifically, go back and read it, you know, but that's the cool thing about Paul is he's not trying to spill any extra ink here. 
and waste anybody's time, you know, you, you, or, or waste money, right? Paper and ink are expensive at the time. So he's like, well, let me just give you the big ones. Don't, don't kill anyone. <laughs> don't take a man's wife. Uh, don't steal someone's stuff or, or desire that person's stuff. And, you know, and then obviously the, any other commandment. And he's like, I got an idea. Just love your neighbor as yourself. How do you want it? The golden rule, treat people how you want to be treated. Um, which was something I wanted to bring up, but I didn't really have time to get into all that. Yeah. I, I, that what, what stood out to me when I first read the passage was, um, he's talking about love, love each other. And then he says, oh, don't kill anyone. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't steal someone's stuff. And you're thinking to yourself, like, you're so far from love, <laughs> like by, yeah. by saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. don't, don't cheat on your spouse you know like you're so far like like when i think loving someone like the just the thought of murdering someone like doesn't even come into my mind Mm. and so i don't know it's just kind of funny how he he uses almost like an extreme on on the one end on a negative side to sort of show this extreme love on the other side right uh because loving your neighbor as yourself sort of goes the whole other way. Mm-hmm. And, but I don't know, that's, it's kind of like when I look at that list of qualifications for elders, sometimes we look at that list and this is in Timothy and Titus and we see this grandiose list. But when you really look at it, you're like, okay, so don't bring anybody on board. Who's like a drunk or who likes to fight with people. Mm. So it actually is pretty, almost a low bar to some degree Mm. it's not as high and lofty as we make it to be sometimes yeah make sure he's not married to multiple people (laughs) uh practicing polygamy and make sure he doesn't like love money can manage his house a little yeah and he kind of like you know his kids respect him i mean that'd be great you know that that would work well and it's not exhaustive either no and and I think that's another, that's an interesting thing that Paul's doing here. He's, he's not giving an exhaustive list of, of the things you ought to do and not do. And he's saying love is the summation of that, you know, which is really echoing what Christ said, which you referenced in your sermon as well. Right. But, and, the, and it, to some degree, that's the point about like love and lists, right? Love doesn't seek a list. Well, what do I need to do in order to like prove to you that I love you? It's like, that's like the dumbest question ever. Um, there's no list because as a, a debt, the list never ends. It just yeah. keeps going. You just keep doing similar things over and over again. Like you just keep loving your neighbor. You keep loving your spouse. You keep loving your kids. You keep loving your fellow Christian. Um, mm-hmm. There's not a, a list. That's the, the question that the guy asked Jesus. Well, who is my neighbor? That's the same guy who would ask, well, give me the list. Yeah. And, or, or Peter said, well, how many times do I have to forgive him? And he gives them, you know, 70 times seven or what, however you translate that. And it's this like, you're, you're always forgiving. Like if you're looking for a number, okay, now fine, I'm done. I'll cut them off. It's like, then right. you don't understand love yeah, mm-hmm. um, or forgiveness in that matter. But yeah, that was kind of the initial thing is like, what an extreme, like, man, if I love people and it's just like, I'm just not murdering people or stealing their stuff. Like I'm, I'm at least starting on the right foot here. You know, well, that, yeah. that was one of the questions I had as I was listening to you preach is, is kind of like, why is it helpful for us to have a list or why do we think we need a list? And then it, is it better that we just have this virtue of love? Like why, why is that important or how is that helpful for us? You know? And I was, and basically this is kind of going off of what you're saying. Cause if you have a list, then there's a way for you to find a loophole. Yeah. It, right? Yeah. But yeah, I think, yeah. I mean, yep. I think we could go with Paul's answer, though, is like initially our list, our laws are to make sin look and feel that much mm. more sinful. Mm-hmm. Like it makes your sin really sinny. <laughs> um, and so the sinnier your sin feels, the more you can start to avoid it. You know, like that was the purpose of the law in our lives. But yeah, that's why it was so shocking. Because I, I mean, I think, uh, I think it, it would in a lot of situations, it'd be nice to just have a list of rules and like really a list of rules for every relationship. 
Like, you know, as long as I do this and this and this, my wife's always happy. As long as I do this, 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 and this, my boss will always think I'm doing a great job. As long as I do this, this, and this, my kids mm-hmm. will always obey me. You know, it'd be great to like be able to figure out uh, just the perfect uh, kind of combo of tasks that would always result with the same thing, but that's just not how life works. But that's why it was so shocking for Jesus to come in and be like, yeah, uh, you know, well, uh, the example you talked about earlier, right? Where you're like, uh, don't murder. But if you are like harboring rage in your harboring heart, yeah. anger, animosity, you are committing murder in your heart. Mm-hmm. And that like had to be shocking. I mean, it should be shocking to us to hear, but I feel like we've heard it. You know, we hear the Sermon on the Mount so many times, uh, depending on how long you've been a Christian, that you start to go, oh, yeah, 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 don't murder. And, and being angry is murder or whatever. Right. And calling your friend names is murder. But um, but I think, like, that is where all of a sudden we're at a whole different level. And that's when the, the lists and the laws and the rules start to go out the window because they can't really even dictate the standard that Jesus has just put in front of us anymore. Yeah. No, that's a good point. Yeah, he does say the law taught him what sin was Hmm. like he said i didn't i didn't know what coveting was until the law told me do not covet right but i but he also were you reading that that's from romans 2 that was in romans 7 7 um yeah we were just there but i also think yeah but i also think a while ago now (laughs) it was a while ago (laughs) but i also think like he says also earlier in romans i think before that that the law made sin worse Mm -hmm. because prior to that like let's say prior to the law coming all you had was your conscience and like these ones you shall not commit adultery you shall not murder you shall not steal no society that doesn't even have god's written law can survive if everybody's killing each other if everybody's stealing their stuff um, if everybody's cheating on one another, there's no trust, right. you know, it's every man for himself and no society can thrive in, in that situation. And so socially you understand what is right and wrong by the experience of it. Right. But even when, so you know that in your conscience and you know that in your experience, but when the law comes in and says, actually, that is wrong, now now it's doubled it up. It's made it even worse. It made it the sinfulness of sin, right? Now it, I, I understand it to its fur- further degree that it's not just a wrong against my fellow man or a wrong against me, but it's a wrong against God who created all of this. So anyway, that's where the law sort of heightens sin, Um and that's where Jesus comes in and says it's still even further than that because it's not just the things you do, but the intentions and the motivations behind those things. Uh, like it, it kind of reminds me of that book by Hughes, right? Um, Respectable Sins. Mm-hmm. There's these sins that we sort of like let linger on in our lives because they're, well, I'm not murdering anyone, you know, like I'm not stealing from my boss. It's like, yeah, but you're harboring pride in your heart. Um, you're always jealous of, you know, what that other person has and you just as quickly laugh to see them fall, um, or, or desire to see them fall than see them thrive. And it gets, yeah, it gets, uh, pretty real at that point when you push it beyond. And then the people are like, Whoa, how can anyone be saved then if we're this bad, you know? So anyway, yeah, those are interesting things. That's one thing that stands out. The other thing is probably the beginning, right? Oh, no one anything except to love right. yeah. each other. We were kind of talking about that because it obviously is connected to the previous verse. Pay to all who is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect, honor. Oh, no one anything except to love each other. So it's an extension from that. So in view here is more than just money, but definitely money is a part of the 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 uh, conversation. So it was... It was an interesting point that you were making, um, but I think the question maybe from this is sort of how should we think about debts in general, yeah. taking on debt, and like, is there any place for it? It's you seem to kind of give, you know, yeah, there is a place, but is some debt okay and some debt is not, and maybe so we can. You said to quote to you know to be free to love more regularly, hmm. to which I think is a good way of thinking about it, but. 
Yeah. Is it okay to get a credit card, Pastor? 100%. I use it every day, all day. Love it. But also points. some people would disagree. Some, some would disagree, And I think yeah. that's okay, too, like that you your personal philosophy of finances says, no, I'm not going to go into any debt ever. And someone else's might be, well, I'll go into debt for a house, but I won't go into debt for a car. For or sure, right. I'll go into debt for a house and a car, and I'll use my credit card once in a while. But, but the the thing is, like, you have to figure out at what point, you know, is it hindering your ability? Uh, have you become a bad steward? You know, and that's like kind of a, a whole another conversation, right? But well, this uh, is a part of this conversation. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's true. It's it. That's the question. It's like oh, you say it's okay. Well, where do you have an idea of where that line would be? How would you draw that line for someone when it's not okay? to have a certain amount of debts like what would you say i mean if they can't pay their debts okay that that would be that would be number one if they can't pay on the agreed upon schedule yeah if they can't saying? pay on the agreed upon schedule that's like that's a really obvious one <laughs> um i mean more in our own time and day and age like student loan debt is yeah is the thing right i mean that's what people get in so much debt by going to school and in one sense you have to but it's also like every system in the world it's a broken system right there's no perfect system well a medical debt would be another one and yes with medical debt a lot of times people literally have to it's not like i'm going to school for this job i want yeah. it's like you have no choice you either like got the procedure or you died right and now you got this massive amount of debt. Right, yeah. Which, again, is a broken system. But that's the thing is like, that person's not being irresponsible. Exactly. They're not taking out a $10,000 credit card with a 13% right. interest rate and buying really expensive purses. Right, right. Like, you know, so that's there is a distinction mm-hmm. in that. But the same could be said about vehicles. That's another big one where it's mm-hmm. like we have this notion in our head that we need to have a nicer, newer car, and so we get ourselves maybe to get a vehicle that's beyond our means because for the sake of all of these things that we think are important, but maybe they're unwise when you realistically could get a vehicle that's more in your means for sure. And so I think, but I think the way, what the way that you said, which if we have our finances in a situation, in such a, a balance that we're able to be loving, loving being our primary motivation. So if we have to spend all of our time, to pay off our credit card debt rather than spending that time in serving and loving other people, then we have our priorities out of order. Yeah. But if we are using a credit card and paying it off regularly and it's not hindering our ability to love and share the gospel and all the things that we ought to be doing, love our you know family and lead our family and that kind of thing, right. then, then that's a healthy place to be, let's yeah. say, with mm-hmm. debts. Was, yeah. Well, and yeah. I think even like a kind of a subcategory of that financial discussion is what do you think you're getting out of what you're doing to to go? I mean, even even if it's not specifically debt, like if you're like overspending to get your friends gifts or you're overspending mm. to drive the right car so that you'd be worthy of a relationship with someone else who drives nice cars or you mm. need the right clothes so that you can have the right relationships like if you find yourself in a situation where you um, where you think what you owe a person is to look right and to have the right stuff and to be able to give them things, um, you don't actually owe anybody any of those things. The mm. only thing you owe them is to love them. You don't mm. owe looking a certain way. You don't owe achieving a certain status. You don't owe gifts and luxuries that you can't afford. You just owe love. And mm-hmm. if the other people have that same philosophy... Uh, we're all in a lot better off socially and spiritually and, you know, able to encourage each other well. Right. I, I think the other, you brought up the context from verse seven, pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to taxes are owed. This would be in verse eight, anyone who has rendered you services, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, we have to pay our utility bills every <laughs> month, right? Like we have to pay the trash. We have to pay mortgages, card, whatever insurance um like we should be you know paying up on those obligations and utilities is one of those things where it's like you never run out you always have to pay for electricity like you're just constantly be paying that for that for the mm-hmm. rest of your life um so again it's not like he's saying don't owe anyone anything you're 
you're paying it forward, you're using a service and you're purchasing things. Um, but the context I think too is about living as citizens in the kingdom of God <laughs> and the, and the, the, as citizens of this world, um, knowing that one day we will be the already, not yet, right? There's the already of the kingdom, but the not yet the kingdom coming. And so how and does he's going next? That's where he's going yeah. next. That's yeah. where I'm going to bring that in a little bit. Like right here, we we'll, won't go into it too much. So we'll save it for next time. But how do we live as transformed people? I'm no longer possessed by my possessions mm. and hmm. amassing up wealth and stuff in this life because I'm going to use what I, I'm going to enjoy life and I'm going to take the good creation that God has, but I'm not going to heap up all these things because coming down to verse 11, you know the time, the hour has come for you to wake from your sleep for salvation is nearer to us than when we first believed. No one ever on their deathbed or when Christ returns is going to say, man, I really wish I'd have had another vacation house or more stuff or whatever, whatever. Did you see that there was a commercial during the Super Bowl. Literally, it was uh, it was a dude who played Obi Wan Kenobi. What is that actor? Ewan McGregor. Ewan McGregor. He's and you guys, if you've watched the Super Bowl, may remember this. And he's walking through this set, and he's like talking about all these things that people spend their money on. They purchase all of these items. Mm -hmm. They purchase cars, and he asked this exact question. But when you get, you know, to the end of your life and you're on your deathbed, nobody's going to, you know, say, oh, look at this wonderful house that I have or this, this, yep. these possessions. And then he opens this door and he walks out onto a beach and he says, they're going to ask, where have you visited? And it's like Priceline.com. <laughs> oh my yeah. gosh, that's such a great commercial. <laughs> and it was just like, they're going to, you, you should spend your money, not on these possessions, but on vacations. And the experiences. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 And that's totally, I mean. To each his own, right? What That's the worldly, world. Yeah. To, to each his own, a totally worldly, like, this is, and it is, like, eat, drink, and be merry. Tomorrow you die. You might as well live it up, whether it's buying stuff or Seeing going on world. vacations, and yeah. then you're just, like, chasing vacations, like, vacation, vacation. And um, trust me, there ain't nothing wrong with taking some vacations, but... Yeah, yeah that's so such a great commercial. I was so intrigued. I'm like, where is he going? Where is, is he, he going really going this? where I think he's going, which is like the gospel? And of yeah. course he wasn't. <laughs> but it was just like, I was... Uh, is he I, really? I, I don't know. I, you guys it's must like, not It's like been, some dude running running toward it, the no. end zone and just tripping right on the on the you know <laughs> first line before or whatever that is. The one yard line. That's what he did. He could have preached the gospel. Ewan McGregor. Could you imagine a Jedi <laughs> preaching the gospel? How awesome dude. that would be. I need to Jedi. find it. We need to put it in the show notes. Besides we this, should. you know the time. <laughs> but it, yeah. we were going to talk about love, too. And there's some social conundrums. Yeah, well, the, misgivings. One, the one we were talking about, I know it came up in a number of our life groups, and people mention it all the time, is the idea that you have to love yourself first before you can love others. Or you have to love yourself first before anyone else can love you. There's a few different ways it gets kind of phrased. Um, but, yeah, that you... Before you can love anyone else well, you have to love yourself first. Um, it's kind of a social idea um, that has, it seems like it's gotten especially popular um, in recent years. Maybe it's been around for a while now, but uh, we think that there might be a problem with that. It seems like we all agreed as we were discussing it. Yeah, what's the problem with it, Cody? Well, so I mean, <laughs> honestly, I think the biggest thing is that word first. You have to love yourself first and before you can love anyone else. I think uh, there isn't a specific order that that has to go in. Like our command is to love each other, to love others. It's not really first. We should be loving ourselves uh, in a healthy way, and we should be loving others in a healthy way all at the same time. And if you notice something's out of priority there, like you don't, you have really poor self-esteem and you mm -hmm. don't love yourself, then by all means work on that while still loving everyone around you. Like there's no reason to wait loving others. I mean, and you, if you think, um, you know, like there, people say like, just ask yourself what you need. You need it. Like what's your, you need to me time. You need self care, all that stuff. If you think of, you know, like, new parents 
Like, are they are they able to give themselves self care? Not really. Mm, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, they yeah. still love their baby to the right. fullest extent. There isn't a scenario where you like take a break from loving others to fix yourself. Now there is some like important psychology in there. There are unhealthy relationships. Um, but I don't think that the Bible gives us any hint that there's a time that we stop loving the people around us to focus on ourselves only. Yeah. Um, but what are your guys' thoughts? Yeah. I mean, like all cultural cliches, there's like an element of truth and an element of falsehood that leads people astray. And it's also kind of like, well, what do you mean by that? And people have different uh, applications. So someone can say that little cliche phrase, you know, I got to love myself. And and I would be like, yeah, I mean, if you if you aren't secure in what God has done for you in Christ and discovered that you are secure in his love because of what he has done for you, not because of what you have done for him. Like, yeah, you have to operate out of that love that has uh, flowed into you from God through Christ by faith. Then you won't rightly love people because you'll use people Mm. in order to gain that love that you're not getting from somewhere else. And so, but if, if you're experiencing that love from God, then you should be able to if you're not experiencing that love from God, then yes, it will be dangerous even for people and for yourself because you'll always burn people out, burn relationships out because you're looking for something in them that they cannot give to you. Yeah. And so in that sense, yeah, I, I totally agree. But m- most of the time in the application of that, what people are saying is I just want to have margin in yeah. my life, that's a fa- one of my favorite cultural cliches. Margin, um, in that I that I want to be able to like just the margins of a page. There's space. Yeah, there's space. That's what it's talking about. Basically, you need margin I, in your life. You need space yeah. in your life where other stuff can happen. You can't have everything planned out. Yeah, and I need to just create some me time. You know, like I need to have. And again, there's nothing wrong with Jesus took some me time. You know, he got away. Uh, and spent time with the father. But I also think that some people use that as an excuse to like break commitments. Mm. Um, you know, maybe they say, Hey, I was, I was going to go to that wedding and I RSVP'd yes. And then they don't show up. And then you find out later on, you know, you have a conversation. Oh, you know what? I had a really tough day. So I, you know, I just needed some me time. I wouldn't have been able to like enjoy your day and so you know it's just it's really just self self selfish self-centered and and maybe they did have a hard day um but uh get over yourself like paul says (laughs) earlier on in chapter 12 uh which again is why i say there's truth to these cultural cliches but sometimes it's how they're applied he says don't think more highly then you ought to think about yourself, but think with sober judgment. It's like, yeah, you're going to have hard days. It doesn't mean that you have the right to just check out on your obligations to love people. Like you still need to love people. And, oh, I had a hard day, so I didn't go to church. Well, you know, you have an obligation to like fellowship with the people of God and to be actually maybe coming to church might be the thing that you need to oh yeah and and i'm not i'm saying that sort of like theoretically it it probably is the thing that you need you've been in isolation too long you've been thinking only about yourself you need to get around people and then you'll realize oh this is a big world and it's not all about me yeah biblically it's what you need do not forsake that's right (laughs) and he's not saying that to be mean yeah uh but he's saying that to bless you Right. right like your life will not be blessed unless you're gathering regularly with God's people and growing in the transforming community. And you'll always live in fear or self-doubt or depression or whatever it is. And that's where, like, when we start taking advice like that, um, like this this article from a kind of pop culture website I was looking at says, we're living in an era uh, where the self-love revolution is gaining momentum. Okay, oh. like, so that's like, and so that sounds, okay, okay, what's the self-love revolution? Maybe you get really into that um, and you start looking at it, but you have to start going, what's the worldview of the person I'm taking advice from? Because loving yourself, having a good self-esteem, having confidence, those are all good 
biblical things, right? Yep. We should be confident of who we are in Christ. We should have. But so if we get really into this self-love idea, this self-love revolution as it was listed, and we're not thinking critically of where we're getting our advice from, the worldview of the person we're getting our advice from, you run into stuff like this. Later in the article, it says, self-love is our fuel. It's the foundation for who we are. Self-love is our fuel and our foundation for who we are. Okay, we're pretty far from a biblical worldview yeah, yeah, at yeah. that point. Self-love is not our fuel. God's love right. is our fuel. The Holy Spirit is our empowerment, right? The foundation of who we are is in Christ, not in how well we love ourselves, not in right. how much we can identify our needs. So that that was the other advice. Self-love is all about identifying your needs making them a priority in your life. It's about doing what truly feels right for you. Mm. I mean, it's really an <laughs> atheistic uh, idea, right? Yeah. Self-love. I am the highest end. And and that's, uh, I mean, that's really where the culture war has has gone all wrong on that. And But I'm, I'm reading a book, or I, I guess I just kind of finished it, the book is a class. It's for a class that I'm taking on a reflection on seminary or whatever. But the book is called Preventing Ministry Failure. And I love the uh, the <laughs> back. He says, great ministers don't just happen. And then the next sentence is, great falls from ministry don't just happen either. And mm-hmm. so it's a it's a pastor and a counselor, and they they've counseled, they've shepherded, they've been friends with dozens and dozens of people who over the years have burnt out on ministry or who committed moral failing or did any number of things. Basically they were in ministry, everything seemed awesome and now they're not and they crash and burn. And so they're like, what are the repeated patterns that we saw in these people's lives that created this problem? And and they said, they basically boiled it down to seven things and in the book they call it uh, stones um, let me see here. I have it in the table of contents somewhere in here. And they, they put them in order, but it's it comes back to this self-care thing because there is an element of truth, right? If you're not... Absolutely. If you're looking for... Well, he has this uh, stone. One is intimacy, which is an intimacy with God, having intimate, close friendships, uh intimate obviously intimacy with your spouse like you're not a closed book right you're you have accountability but you have intimacy like the whole in the in the beginning when god made adam and eve they were naked and unashamed right this like the pinnacle of intimacy um and it gives practical ways for deeper relationships so if you're if you're not having if you're just siloed out and you're not connected with these intimate relationships with god with your spouse with close friends then you're probably not going to be a very like whole person. But then he moves on and talks about um, calling. So knowing who you are in Christ and knowing what he's called you to do. But then the next couple are kind of more to that point of stress management. Mm -hmm. And so here in stress management, he talks a lot about boundaries and ways to like get some space from your work uh, or so that margin. you're, well, yeah, margin, <laughs> uh, not overworking yourself. But a lot of that comes from like people pleasing, right? Yeah. You're stressed because you want to try and say yes to everything. And one of the things he brought in there was, I thought was really funny was he was like, there's some pastors or ministry leaders or whatever who disagree with, um, like slowing down. And they say, no, I, I need adrenaline. Like I, I, love, you know, having something else to do. And he would say, okay, I understand what you're saying. You're addicted to adrenaline and you create chaos because you like the chemical things that happen in your body when a shot of your natural morphine, your shot of endorphins kicks in, like you're actually addicted to that and you create chaos in your organization or in your church because you're an addict. And I thought that is a really fascinating, Mm -hmm. like that person who says, oh no, I need that addiction. So I disagree. Like I don't need to (laughs) make boundaries or I'm not going to slow down. Like he's like, yeah, because you're an addict 
and you're addicted and you're you're burning everybody else out around you. You're an unhealthy leader, right. and you're going to have ministry failures somehow, some way. I thought that was a really fascinating thing. But so again, there are elements of truth. You know, one of the chapters was called recreation um, or recreation. Right? You need to like get away from your work sometimes and and actually go go sit on a beach somewhere or do something that you enjoy, you know, go play golf, go surfing, go disc golfing. I don't know. Just get out in nature, go spend time with your family, whatever you enjoy that gets your mind off that, then that will help you. I think to be able to have the fuel to love people better because you're not super burnt out, you know? Yeah. So when someone says something like that, I think it's important for us to be charitable and kind of just ask questions. So yeah, because I think because they're right. The majority, <laughs> kind of, yeah, know, yeah, maybe, like the maybe majority, they're right, maybe they're not. Yeah, the majority of people who say that have, I think, good intentions, and then there are some who are like you're reading in this article, miss, like they have a misunderstanding, and all of that. But I think ultimately, yeah, it's a. But it's I've a, I've seen Christians have that have it tattooed on their skin that says I am enough. And this kind of spills into that same sort of like self-love thing Yikes! of like, yeah, that's a really, really endearing thing to say to yourself every day, but it's just totally not true. Hmm. Like you're not enough. Uh, and, and I know what they mean by that, right? Like I'm not going to have a, I'm not going to be self-deprecating. I'm a horrible person. What was me? Like Eeyore attitude. But at the same time, like I am enough is like contrary to the gospel and like it doesn't relate in every context. Um, like you're not going to stand before the cross and be like, sorry, Jesus, I am enough. <laughs> like he's looking at you like, no, you're not. Can you see I had to come down here, do this thing for you because you couldn't do it for yourself. And so I don't know. There's just a lot of these they sound and they feel really nice, but at the end of the day, they're really unhelpful and actually could be damaging. But people, you're right. They're, we should be charitable. They have good yeah. hearts behind it, but can be misled. And uh, I'd rather be guiding, being guided and guiding people by the truth than something close to yeah. it. Yeah. In Christ, right. I am enough. In yeah. Christ. In Christ. But now you're like, well, in Christ, Christ, in Christ, I'm enough. still not enough. Yeah. In Christ, Christ he is, is enough. Yeah. He is enough. Yeah. Honestly, and that should be the tattoo. He, <laughs> he is, is enough. enough. That yeah, would be yeah. a good tattoo. And that's where we get, if we start subscribing to something that is a, a pop culture uh, philosophy that is putting priorities where the Bible doesn't put priorities, that's where we get all, because the Bible never says prioritize yourself, right? Mm. But it never says like, you know, prioritize others to the detriment of seeking God. It doesn't say that either, you know, so we have to, you know, we have to put things in the context of the Bible. And so by all means, if you have very low self-esteem or you're struggling with depression for whatever reason, like get, get help with that, you know, get good counseling or, or see a doctor about it. But like in between your counseling appointments and your doctor appointments, like, still love other people (laughs) like do like both do both do both and go to church and spend time with god you know i think it comes up because verse nine and you know christ obviously you shall love your neighbor as yourself and the argument is well i can't love my neighbor as myself i don't love myself but yeah i think the bible and i think rightly understood you do love yourself 100 <laughs> percent. it's a turn of phrase yeah, yeah. exactly it's and not in a, not in an arrogant way but like you you take care of yourself right yeah. like you we had lunch earlier because i needed lunch you know yeah. um we take showers we buy clothes for like we do things for ourselves because we we care about ourselves our you know? default position our is default loving position, ourselves yeah. in fact yeah. our default position is loving ourselves too much yeah uh you know with this the fallen sin nature that exists within us yeah uh so we don't really have a problem with that but but anyways yeah the, the context of this passage the historical context paul writing to the church of rome um how do i live as a christian in a society that is pagan uh, and then, and thus demonstrate who God is, what he is like. Um, how can we as a church community demonstrate what is truth, what is real, what is authentic love, 
um, and what is true community. And, and that's essentially what Paul is doing here is in, in a world that thinks they know what is truth and what is uh, right and what is appropriate. Like you're going to demonstrate that when you do these things Mm -hmm. that are fueled from the character of God and from the way he demonstrated love uh, through the gospel and, and so it's helping them to see, okay, in light of what God has done for me, this is how I am now to live in the world in order to reflect God also to, uh, I guess, minimize suffering to some degree because mm-hmm. the government's not going to punish me or, or neighbors aren't going to hate me if I'm, if I'm good to them. Like they're going to think, dude, he's an awesome neighbor. Like, yeah, he's a weird Christian that lives across the street, but you know, he kind of helps me out and he's really kind and, oh, and you know, is good to my kids, you know, like I kind of like him across the street, you know, and it wins people over. And then obviously there's the evangelistic opportunity as well. Um, so that's essentially what we have in this passage. But I think the, oh, no, and anything going into the next section, yeah, it's like, dude, we, the time is short on earth and the already is here, but the not yet is coming. And at the end of our lives, we're not going to, we're not going to care about the money that we didn't earn or that we spent or that we, the possessions we had all, all that matters is Christ and being with him and being like him. And, uh, anyway, we'll get into that next week. Right. Absolutely. That Super Bowl uh, commercial I just found out is an Expedia commercial. Expedia. Expedia. Man, nice. I booked my hotel through Expedia. Dude. Well, now you know they're anti-gospel. I mean, I've used them. They're a pretty good company, but <laughs> they're straight up anti-gospel. <laughs> <laughs> well, can we share some love right now? Is that okay? Volunteer of the week. I know. <laughs> I like being appreciated. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to share some love by appreciating someone else. Mm-hmm. Our volunteer. Affirmation. Our volunteer of the week is Dan Garris. Boom. Yes. Dan, Dan Garris. Is, he's one of our life group leaders, mm-hmm. uh, which is awesome. He cares for people that way. He's also going to be sharing uh, for the um, word at the men's huddle. At the men's huddle coming up this Saturday. He volunteers in security. Am I missing anything? I mean, he's just all around good guy. All people around like good him. Dude. I hear people like him. Yeah, no, uh, and Dan is my neighbor. Dan is your neighbor. Across the street. And, uh, so that makes him the volunteer of the week because he's yeah. your neighbor. I know, huh? It's about proximity. <laughs> Dan's the weird Christian guy across the street that you're like, oh, he's a weird Christian guy, but I like that he's my neighbor at least. Pretty much I think he thought I was the weird Christian guy moving in, you know? Here's this like young dude that moves in. Um, but no, I mean, I've gotten to know Dan now for four, I would say around four years and he's been a great blessing to me and there's been many times that i've gone across the street and had he's counseled me or i've he's allowed me to vent um there's a volunteer position yeah Yeah. no no people nobody wants that position (laughs) it's just he unfortunately has it because he lives across the street from me and Um, he's wise very wise biblically very knowledgeable well you know it's kind of one of those things if you don't really know people like i move in and here's this guy who has like a master's degree like in theology and he got it in the (laughs) 80s um and yeah just a really smart guy 80s theology yeah 80s (laughs) theology is it even relevant still (laughs) <laughs> there's like Depeche Mode playing in the back of his theology <laughs> the breakfast club playing on the screen no uh, no he's just a really really you know loves people and uh, and his mm-hmm. wife Joy truly lives up to her name she is a joy mm-hmm. and so yeah great people I'm excited to see how God continues to use him and uh, joy in the future here. Nice. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So if you see Dan around, make sure you thank him yep. and congratulate him on being volunteer of the week. That's Actually, right. Just thank him for the stuff. Just yeah. randomly give him a high five and walk away and don't say anything. Yeah. yeah. Like cool. that way it's just a secret between us and the podcast listeners. Yep, absolutely. So if you're not, <laughs> if you it's time for Bible trivia right now. All right. Here is your Bible trivia. Here we go. Let me stretch it, is, it out. It's a Valentine's Day one. Oh, boy. Oh, okay. God. It's a Valentine's Day one. Here's the question. How many times does the word love occur in the English Standard Version 
of the Bible. Come oh, my. Closest, I, I know closest that number wins. Okay, you know closest that? number. Mm-hmm. Closest number wins. It's It has to be in the thousands, I think. Over the entire Bible, from Genesis to Revelation. Well, yeah, yeah. The, English the whole Bible and the version. ESV. I, I would guess, I don't know, fi- 1,500? I'm going <laughs> to guess... I'm going to guess 4,000. Wow, okay. (laughs) 4,000. He's going high, I'm going low. But basically, I mean, he's 4,000, I'm (laughs) 3,999. You guys are way off. (laughs) I'm closest then. I mean, it's a lot of times. Yeah, you are. It's 552 times. Which is quite a few. I thought it was closer to 1,000. (laughs) 4,000 times. Dude, love is... The Bible's a big book. It's 552 instances across 506 verses. 552. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. 506 was... verses, but some of them say love more than once. Is that the whole Bible? 506 verses? Or is that just New Testament? That's New Testament. No, 506 verses have verses have the word oh, love in oh, it. Oh, okay. Some of them have word the word love two or three times in the same verse. Oh, okay. So the total number... Of verses that have that, okay. The total number of verses with the word love is 506. The total numbers of yeah. the word love is mm. said, 552. I was leaning Interestingly, about Interestingly, in the King James Version, it's only 228. What mm. happened Wow. There? That is weird. We might there? use other words. That's why we don't use the King Affection. James here. <laughs> That's why? You were yeah. like, they don't say love. <laughs> no. Uh, we love love. I think they here. say like charitable or something every yeah. once in a while. Like they they translate one of the Greek words differently or something. Yeah, but that was it. Well, there so, you go. I guess you guys. I mean, I, if anything, though, I feel like that's the way to miss. You you miss by overestimating right. the on amount the love, of yeah. love in the Bible.